I can't promise you we'll be the best team at Lake Placid next February. But we will be the best conditioned team. That I can promise you. Be prepared to grow through pain, gentlemen. You're going to skate harder than you've ever skated in your lives. Every minute of every day, you're on the ice with me. What's your name? Mark Johnson. Where are you from, Mark? Madison, Wisconsin. Who you play for? University of Wisconsin coach. Come on, go, boys, go, boys! The fastest way to make this team is by being fast. How about you? Coach Christian. Who you play for? University of North Dakota. That's it, come on! 20 of you are going to Lake Placid, six are going home. Who that is, believe it or not, it's up to you. How about you? Doug Pavlich. Who do you play for? UMD Bulldogs. You guys don't want to work during the game? No problem, we'll work now. Go line. That one. Pass off! Think you can win on talent alone? Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Again. You better think about something else, each and every one of you. When you pull on that jersey, you represent yourself and your teammates. And a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one on the back. Get that through your head. Again. Win, lose, or tie, you're gonna play like champions. Again. playing this way, you won't beat anybody who's even good, let alone great. You want to make this team, then you better start playing at a level that's going to force me to keep you here. Again. This cannot be a team of common men. Because common men go nowhere. You have to be uncommon. Again. 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 Herb. Come on, Craig, go to whistle. Again. Michael Ruzioni! Went through Massachusetts. Who do you play for? I play for the United States of America. That's all, gentlemen.
everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Happy New Year. Starting 2020, the Roaring Twenties, uh, the beginning of my 13th year on the air with the main event. For those of you that have been with me since the beginning, I don't know that that's a big accomplishment, I guess. <laughs> but thank you for uh, for listening and uh, for your uh, kind comments that I get from you guys uh, fairly regularly. But I'm, uh, I'm always uh, open to uh, hearing them. Because uh, I sit in a studio and I talk to a uh, to a microphone, and except for the people that are calling in and emailing me, and uh, you know, letting me know, I never know until you guys comment that anybody's listening besides my wife. Um, and then sometimes she doesn't want to listen. But that's another story. That's another story. Um, so we, uh, I start out with that clip from the movie Miracle, which is the. Uh, the story of the 1980 Olympic hockey team, uh, Herb Brooks, who was the uh, the coach, and uh, which is in the in the uh, arena that's now called the Herb Brooks Memorial Hockey Arena in uh, Lake Placid, New York. Um, what a gr- what a great story, and what a great lesson for everybody out there. You know, I, I I've been listening to the Democrat candidates, specifically Elizabeth Warren and. Uh, and probably most all of them. You know, we have an economy that doesn't work for everyone. We need to have an economy that works for everyone. Hey, I got news for you. The economy doesn't work. People work. The economy is is a is a combination is a is a uh, it is the overall environment where people are working. So it doesn't work for everyone. Everyone works in it. And for everyone who's not as everyone who's not as um, successful financially as they, or as comfortably financially as they hope they would be, um, then you need to work harder. That's the only, that's the trick. You don't have to have a college degree to make money in this country. You don't have to have any special, you don't have to have any special, uh, knowledge unless you want to be in a specialized area of work, but you have to work hard. You have to have a great attitude and you have to understand you're not entitled to anything. You want something, you go earn it. That's the that's going to be my theme for 2020 because I'm so tired of listening to people say, "Well, you know what? Trump, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to beat Trump." Well, you know what? I don't really think so. I talked to uh to someone in Mammoth that we knew uh, while Don and I were on our vacation talking about, well, you know, Andrew Yang, I think Andrew Yang would be a good replacement because, you know, I don't really like Trump. I don't care if you like him. Look at what he's doing for this country. And, uh, well, you know, what? Uh, I don't know the, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, really, if you're not in the 1%, is it working? Everybody's working. Everybody, you know, the unemployment rate is is three three and a half percent People that want jobs, there's jobs out there. I see help wanted signs everywhere. If you want to work, there's jobs. And, you know, if you, and if you want to make more money, work harder. Because these minimum, well, you know, we have to have a living wage. You know, people work at McDonald's, they work hard. Hey, you know what? People that work at McDonald's work hard. But you know what? That's an entry level. You know what I, you know what I used uh, uh, high school jobs for? Hey, you get out there, you work your butt off and show everybody, show your boss and show all your customers what a great guy, what a great attitude you are. And somebody offers you another opportunity. Don and I were flying home from Dallas um, three or four months ago. And we stopped at this place in the Dallas Fort Worth airport to eat some, uh, some, uh, Cajun food. We walked by there and it's like 10 30 in the morning. And I heard someone say shrimp and grits. 
you know, shrimp and grits. They serve shrimp and grits in there. Let's go in there. So uh, they didn't make shrimp and grits that early in the morning, but someone ordered it. And uh, so we had uh, some shrimp etouffee. was like eating in New Orleans. And it was great. And there's this black kid there, and he's got kind of uh, not dreadlocks, but kind of I don't know what what you call them, but the you know his his hair is in kind of dreads with with the little beads at the end. What a great attitude! This guy's probably 22, 23 years old, and what an excellent attitude he has. And I said, and I said, hey, how long have you been here? He goes a year and a half. And I said, in in a year and a half, nobody nobody that you've served has offered you a job. He goes, uh, well, no. And I said, man, if you were in California, I'd hire you right now just because of your attitude. It was such, you know, and that's how you get a job. That's how you get opportunities. You know, I'm, I'm in the mortgage business and most everybody that I've turned into a successful loan, loan officer, I, I, I met them, noticed a good work ethic, noticed a good attitude and some people skills. And I taught them the mortgage business. It's easy. The, the math part is the easy stuff to learn. Finding people that have a good work ethic and that have a good attitude, that's the hard part. I'm going to talk about all kinds of stuff that relate to that all year. I talked to a lady who called me on the phone, 83 years old. Uh, she's basically immobile because she's uh, had some health problems and leaving uh, her not. She, so she buzzes around on her uh on her uh, electric scooter and uh, and talked about since she was 18, she got a real a, a real estate license and she did this and did that, did this, did that. And, you know, now she's now she's basically immobile and she's she's raising uh, poodles and uh, she's looking for some help on a on a transaction on her home. And uh, and I gave her a whole bunch of advice and I and some uh, referrals to to get some uh, legal stuff done. And this lady, I said, hey, you know what? We have to talk. Let's get this thing done. And we got to talk about showing you how to write a book because this lady was just total America, total America. You know, just land of opportunity. Don't have your hand out. I don't need anything for free. I'm entitled to this. I went to work. You know, the the problem with that I see in America right now is hey I went to work I got my minimum wage I should be able to to uh to to uh pay for my bills and all my kids uh with it but and then I go home and instead of where I would have gone home if I'm not making enough money I'd be looking for a second job I'd be looking for a better job I'd be looking for a way to get myself ahead reading self uh self improvement books doing something but today it's go home kick your feet up and light up a joint and smoke weed and I'll tell you there's nothing that that angers me more as walking through the malls of this country during uh during Christmas season and watching these kids walk around smelling like they just smoked like you know it smells like a rock concert in the 60s or maybe today um but it smells like a rock concert and they think that nobody notices that they're wasted they smell like a they smell like they just got out of a i don't know out of a a clam bake in their car to reference a uh, the due date movie, you know, they're just getting stoned in their car. They get out, you walk through the parking lot, you could smell their car. You smell them when they walk in there. And you know what? These are the kids that think they deserve something. This is America, folks. It's the land of opportunity, not the land of security. Teach your kids. If you're a millennial, listen, and you don't like it, send me an email and I'll give you some more of it. You know what? If you want, uh, you know, this is what we got to teach our kids or else they're doomed. But anyway, that's my uh, that's my uh, soapbox for this morning, and I'll talk about more. I'll I'll talk some more of it. 
But before I go any further and get into what's happening in this country in the last week, which is pretty damn exciting, um, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. Um, whether you want to buy a piece of property or refinance something that you own, whether you want to get a re- reverse mortgage. And then let me tell you, if you're a senior, if you're over 62 or married to someone over 62 and you haven't checked out the reverse mortgage, cause I would never want to do that. Nah, I would never want to do it. If you've never even had a five minute conversation with someone that does them, call me 855-640-2020. Owe it to yourself to find out how great this product is. And there's so many people out there over 62 that just didn't save enough money or, or they don't want to reduce their lifestyle as their, as their retirement income is not quite what it was when they're working or just want to want to have more flexibility on their finances in, in retirement. If you haven't checked this out and given it serious consideration, I assume not everybody, not everybody wants it, but it is a great, great program. You owe it to yourself to look into it. Anyway, so uh, call me, 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me, want to get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet because you think I'll talk you into something, go to edhoffman.net. Scroll down a little bit to where you see the Summit Funding logo. Click on that. takes you right to my lending page. You can give me as much information as you want. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented partners, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. And uh, we'll help you. Hey, you know what? I had someone said, hey, I want to buy a second home, but uh, uh, you don't have enough down payment for a second home. You got to put at least 10% down. If it's going to be your second home. Okay. So, uh, and I said, well, you got all this equity in your primary residence. Let's refinance your primary residence, put a bigger down payment on this, get your payments where you want. Oh no, my wife doesn't want to pull money out of, uh, out of the, the house. Okay. Well, you're not incurring more debt. You're just moving it around. You want to borrow money on the second home and you don't have enough for the down payment. Why don't we just pull some money out over here? Your payment still goes down. And then you take that money out, put the down payment. We're just rearranging where your debt is. Some on this house, some on that house. So anyway, it's it's having an imag- imagination to make things work. So uh, again, 855-640-2020 or edhoffman.net. Click on this uh, Summit Funding uh, logo, and then we'll get back to you and uh, help you uh, dial in whatever you're uh, thinking about doing. Um, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. And uh, the Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. Um, if you want to leave a comment on the show, send me an email at ed to ed at edhoffman.net. Um, and I'll be sure and read your message. So, uh, let's talk about what's going on in this. And, and I'm not going to talk by, by importance. Cause I know I should talk about Iraq first and Iraq and Iran, but I'm going to go in chronological order. Cause this is all important stuff. So, uh, a shooting at a church in Texas and a stabbing at a rabbi's home during Hanukkah celebration in New York have renewed calls for increased security and the right to be armed in the places of worship. I didn't know it wasn't. You're right. Uh, In Texas, a gunman killed two people at West Freeway Christian Church before one of the church's armed security guard volunteers gunned him down. Uh, He was able to do that thanks to Texas law passed in 2017 that allowed licensed handgun holders to carry weapons in houses of worship. 
The law passed after the Sutherland Springs shooting in uh, 2017, and it took effect in September. If you if you remember Sutherland Springs in Texas, uh, some guy went in there with a with an AR-15, and uh, I think it was an AR-15, or it may have been a shotgun, and he, he killed about 15 people. And one of the neighbors across the street from the church heard it happening. He had an AR-15 and fired over his fence when the guy walked out and hit him in the neck. The guy jumped in his truck and, uh, and drove until he bled out and uh, killed him. But meanwhile, if someone, this is one of the comments I made when that happened uh, three years ago, was tell me in the state of Texas that there wasn't one person in that church that was carrying? That amazes me. But apparently, uh, apparently that was a law against that in Texas at the time. According to the good guy with the gun, Jack Wilson, shooter Keith Kinnanen had been helped by the church in the past and was upset he was only given food, not money. You know what? Uh, I don't understand. Have you ever offered somebody, uh, somebody says, hey, we'll work for food or is it begging for something? Hey, I want to get some food. Here, I'll take you in and buy you a hamburger. No, I don't want that. I want money. So anyway, here's uh, here's uh, Jack Wilson uh, commenting. I don't see myself as a hero. I see myself as doing what needed to be done to take out the evil threat. Since when do you know when something bad's going to happen? You have to be prepared at all times, at all places. Yep. Uh, I heard somebody comment on uh, concealed carry owners, concealed carry card holders. If you got a concealed carry, if you're not carrying, you're, it does you no good to leave it in your car or at home or wherever if it's if it's not on your body. Um I tell you there's two places two places that that I always carry and that's church and the movies. And I go to the movies a lot. And just because you're sitting duck there. You're a sitting duck and I hope that I'm not the only one. I think I'm not. Uh if you looked at some of the things on social media, apparently there's three or four people in that church that were carrying Jack Wilson was just the fastest and did a headshot. Got him right off. The pastor of that church agrees. We can't prevent every incident. We can't prevent mental illness from, from occurring, and we can't prevent every crazy person from pull, pulling a gun. This church is a model for that preparation. And you know what? Uh, people people are complaining about. I saw somebody on uh, Facebook or Twitter. One of them commented that. Well, you know what? Our uh, and everyone's everyone was commenting about what a hero this guy was. I'm glad he was armed. And somebody comments, well the our goal is to not have any fire guns allow any uh, uh, firearms in anybody's hands, and I say, well, that would have that would have meant another five or ten five or ten dead people in that church, wouldn't it? So it's amazing to me. It's just amazing to me. So uh, that people are so so blind, deaf, and dumb when it comes to this, and yet the media media headlines refuse to give the good guy any gun credit. USA Today uh, had a headline: Jack Wilson's heroism isn't the story. I think it is. Uh, CNN, Texas church shooting isn't as simple as it seems. Okay. Washington Post, the Texas church shooter would have never had a, should never have had access to a firearm. You're right. He probably shouldn't have because people that are Looney Tunes in their head shouldn't have access to firearms, but somehow they got one. So until, until we figure out how to, uh, how to, uh, over override the HIPAA laws and all the other things that protect people from being from uh, going into mental institutions or I mean all these people that are on the streets they don't want to most of them I'm not saying all of them but most of them want to be homeless because they like 
having no responsibility. And now that weed is, is, uh, they can collect money here and buy a couple of beers and be high all day, go to the dispensary, buy some weed and they're, and they're just fine. And, uh, they don't want to, they don't want any responsibility. They don't want to, it's not a housing problem. It's a mental health problem until we can overcome that. The only thing to stop a, a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Meanwhile, no gun was needed for the hate crime committed on December 28th. That's when Grafton Thomas, a masked African-American man yielding a machete, invaded the home of New York rabbi and began stabbing the Hanukkah party guests. So five people were wounded, two of whom were hospitalized in, in critical condition. One of the victims uh, says his daughter will likely never recover. As a fractured skull, he's been sliced like through his neck, um, he has a shattered arm. The doctors do not have high hopes for him. He may never be, I mean, if he wakes up, he may never be able to walk, talk, or even process speech again. And if you guys haven't seen the picture, the Fox News showed it one time that I'm aware of, and they said, hey, uh, warning, this is very graphic. And uh, and the guy had a, had like the guy, like the, the the perpetrator, um, Grafton Thomas, took a machete, which is a, a handle thing with a blade about 18 inches long, and hit him in the in the in the forehead, not the forehead, the top of the head, around uh, you know around the two o'clock mark on your head, and and broke his skull and into his brain, and uh, it's this guy, you know, it's ugly, and if you, and if you ask. Uh, um, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, also known as Big Bird. The fact that this guy has ties to the anti-Semitic hate group Black Hebrew Israelites is irrelevant. And just so you know, the Black Hebrew Israelites is a, is a black group of anti-Jewish. They say they come from Jewish and Christian backgrounds, but they're anti-Jewish, anti-white hate group. Uh, kind of sounds like Muslims. Um, but that's irrelevant. He'd much rather bla- uh, blame President Trump. We have to recognize that the atmosphere in this country in the last few years has also, and a lot of this comes from Washington, um, allowed a kind of permission structure for hate speech that before was frowned upon and uh, treated very, very differently by leaders all over the country. So when you combine those two things, the hate speech coming out in the open, being spread by social media, being affirmed by people in government, it's a very dangerous combination. Well, yeah, it's being affirmed by people in government. It's all it's all Trump's. There's another part of his speech where he actually says it's if President Trump is is creating this. I think President Trump one of his first things in uh in uh in office was to stop immigration from uh from like nine nine countries that uh that were harboring uh uh and and breeding uh terrorists and hate groups. And he wanted to halt immigration from that temporarily and just, hey, we got to do some extra checks and balances before we just let anybody into our country. And the Democrats stopped it. They filed uh, they filed Supreme Court, Supreme Court or uh, federal court um, judge got federal court judges to to stop it and and it put a big old delay on it. And it took like, uh, I don't know, a year and a half before they said the Supreme Court said that uh, he was within his right. And uh, wasn't it Trump that tried to do that? Uh, I'm thinking, uh, you know, the reason that there's so much hate going on against Jewish people is because we let we allow those kind of people to be in our country. And I understand that a lot of people are in our country that hate groups and we can't stop them. But we got to start somewhere. You got to stop. You know, it's it's uh, when you when someone when you uh, 
when you slice off, when you get a, into a big accident, first thing they got to do is stop the bleeding so you don't bleed out. So you don't bleed out. And then they can fix all the rest of the stuff. And that's the first thing we got to do is, hey, stop letting people in. Then we can deal with the people that are here. So anyway, uh, that's that's my that's my theory on it. And uh, and uh, I'm not backing down. So anyway, uh, I got a whole bunch more to talk about, but I'm out of time for the first half of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes of uh, weather, traffic, commercials, and sports, and I'll be right back with uh, the rest of everything that's gone on in the last week. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to part two of the main event. Happy New Year 2020. Year 13 for uh, my uh, radio career here on the main event. And uh, let me just, before we get into what uh, the continuation of what's happening in this country, let me say the uh, happy anniversary to my wife, Dawn. Um, we had our, uh, our 23rd wedding anniversary on, on uh, New Year's Eve. And since New Year's Eve fell right in between shows, I figured I'd do it with my New Year's show. Let me play this little clip from The Family Man. And we're in love. After 23 years of marriage, we're still unbelievably in love. You won't even let me touch you till I've said it. I sing to you. Not all the time, but, but definitely on special occasions. You know, we've, we've dealt with our share of surprises and, and, and made a lot of sacrifices, but we stayed together. You see, you're a better person than I am. And it made me a better person to be around you. And I want to say I picked that clip and I use it every year because Don is truly a better person than I am. And it has made me a better person to be uh, with her. We've been together for 31 years. It took me eight years to close the deal. Uh, and uh, and we've been we've been through it and... And you know what? It's just been a it's been a uh, a blessing that God brought us together. Happy anniversary, baby! I love you. Anyway, so let's talk about uh, the rest of the stuff that's going on. We've been talking about uh, the stabbings, and let's talk about the new Iraqi conflict. Now, a new conflict in Iraq happened this week, and there are new developments by the hour. Here's an abbreviated timeline, and let me say this started in June on June twentieth of this year of 2019 when uh, Iran shot down a one of our drones over the Strait of Hermuz. And I don't know what one of those drones cost. It seems like it's, uh, someone said like $180 million or something. And just so you know, they operate those things from uh, from March Air Force Base in Reno Valley um, where they're, they're piloting those things. Guys sitting behind a computer, you got one guy operating the guns and one guy is operating that's actually flying the flying it. And uh, they shot this drone down, and Trump said any any aggression he was gonna he would retaliate. And at the last minute, he said, "You know what? I don't know that we're you know that we're gonna kill a hundred or two hundred people uh, with doing this strike." And he said, "I don't know that that's worth that many lives for uh, 180 million dollars or however much the, the thing was." But he did say, "Hey, this is a warning. We're not striking you now." But any any attack on America, America's America's uh, American property or American people will be met with retaliation, and uh, he drew a red line in the sand. And unlike the former president Barack Hussein Obama, 
Um, he drew the red line in the sand, and then uh, as soon as somebody stepped over it, he rolled on his back and peed all over himself. So, uh, <clears throat> so he had the big yellow streak. So, uh, so after after June twentieth, that thing happened. Friday, December twenty seventh, which was a week ago, uh, week ago last week. So right after Christmas, a U.S. defense contractor was killed in an attack on Iraqi military compound, also injuring four U.S. service members and two Iraqi security force members. About thirty rockets were fired in an attack by Iranian-backed militia. So a bunch of Iranian guys fired rockets over there because they know uh, that we've got our military people there. And one of our non-military contractors was killed. Four other guys that are part of our military were injured and two Iraqi security forces uh, were uh, were injured. And uh, what did Trump say? He said, if you if you attack us or or uh, or or harm one of our people. You will retaliate. So what do you do? Two days later, the U.S. conducts airstrikes on five Iranian-backed Hezbollah militia sites in retaliation for the rocket attack, killing 25 fighters. The Iraqi government expressed outrage about the attack, calling it flagrant violation of its sovereignty. Uh, I don't understand. You guys shoot us, and then we shoot back. And uh, it's a flagrant violation of our sovereignty. I don't understand it. The next day, Iraqi prime minister declared three days of mourning for the people killed in these strikes. The Iraqi prime minister declared three days of mourning for the people. Oh, for the people in, in Iran that got killed in the strikes. Well, there's a, there's a uh, I don't know, maybe a religious thing to do. After the funeral uh, on, the, on New Year's Eve, Tuesday, after the funeral for the militia fighters, Protesters broke into the U.S. Embassy compound in Baghdad. Gathering outside our embassy, they shouted, What else? Death to America, death to Israel. While throwing water and stones over the, over the walls, they smashed through the main floor, set a receptionary on fire, and covered the embassy wall with, with uh, militia flags and anti-U.S. graffiti. The Iraqi security forces didn't try to stop the protesters, permitting them to pass through the security checkpoint. What's this remind you of? Uh, I don't know. Benghazi, uh, and and here in the and here in the U.S., liberal media was calling this Trump's Benghazi. You've got them, you know, stoking anti-Americanism, potentially giving an advantage to Iran. This goes back to a really strategic decision that the president made. We're engaged in a war of words, which is certainly not helpful. These are tough times, and one worries whether the administration has the sort of horsepower and uh, brain power to deal with them. You know, um, people wonder, people wonder about the way Trump's dealing with things and he's dealing with, from a position of strength, like Ronald Reagan said, peace through strength. Hey, they're testing him. They didn't, they didn't send a nuclear bomb over to us. They're testing him. They're doing little things to see, Hey, will he react? Will he react? And what do we want our president to do? Um, have a meeting, which I'm sure he did. And then he retaliated. And that's that's how I want my president to protect our country because when they start sending test punches in there, you know, you watch a boxing match, the guys, the the boxers doing his left jab and just he's he's uh you know just standing there, they're dancing around. That left jab is a test punch. Hey, let me see where my where my uh, distance is. Let me see how this guy reacts. All that kind of stuff. That's what uh, Iran is doing to us. Let's see if uh, let's see if uh, if if Trump is as much of a wuss as Obama was. Secretary of Defense Mark 
Esper, stated that additional forces would be sent to support the embassy. He also called on Iraq to help protect the facility. Hey, Iraq, we got we got you guys all free. We got this stuff all cleaned up for you. Watch our guys. Watch our guys uh, when they start attacking us. Uh, Donald Trump uh, tweeted out, Iran killed an American contractor, wounding many. We strongly responded and always will. Now Iran is orchestrating an attack on the U.S. Embassy in Iraq. They will be held fully responsible. In addition, we expect Iraq to use its forces to protect the embassy and have and so notified. So uh, that's what that's how Trump Trump reacted. Hey, Iraq, you watch our backs. We took care we took care of uh, getting rid of Saddam Hussein and all the other problems. Now you watch our back. Wednesday, January 1st, of course, uh, Obama pulled all our guys out and let ISIS start there. But uh, we have since gotten rid of them. Okay, so Wednesday on uh, New Year's Day, the protests picked up again as demonstrators started to fire on the roof of the reception area. Uh, this prompted U.S. troops to fire tear gas into the crowd. Iraqi federal police, counterterrorism forces, and soldiers lined up in between the protesters and the compound. There were no reports of conflict between Iraqi officials and the protesters. As uh, New Year's came to a close, it was reported that 750 troops were expected to be sent as a result of the embassy attack, and another 3,000 could possibly be deployed in the next few days. Let me think. We had the Libyan people attacking our our embassy in in uh, Benghazi, Libya, and uh, and shortly a couple hours after that started, Ambassador Chris Stevens was killed. Uh, one of the IT guys there, Sean Smith, was killed. And uh, and we had some some uh, ex uh, Navy SEALs and Army Rangers that were uh, supporting the CIA in a compound uh, a couple of miles away, and they engaged. Did we call for help? Yes, we called for help. Did we have uh, a military in the, that was close enough to have responded? Yes. And did they send anybody? No. In fact, we know that Obama told everybody stand down, or somebody did. We know that Hillary Clinton never responded to a request for security. And we know that we don't really know where Obama was that night. No one's really even said. But we know that they were they were notified of what was going on over there about 11 minutes into the attack, that the, that the uh, White House was notified of what was going on. So they're watching on drones, live camera, at the White House and at the Pentagon, and they never sent anybody. Trump sends 750 people over there. So uh, let's see where I left off here. Um, Thursday, so uh, January 2nd, President Trump ordered a drone strike that killed General Qasem Soleimani, the head of Iran's elite Quds force. Quds or Quds? I, heard, I thought I heard somebody say Quds, but it, uh, the Internet says it's Quds. Quds force, Q-U-D-S force, a U.S.-designated terrorist organization. So, uh, Soleimani was instrumental in the spread of Iranian influence in the Middle East, helped prop up Bashar al-Assad in Syria, and was behind the killing of hundreds of U.S. troops in Iraq. Among six others killed in Iraqi mil- uh, among six other people uh, killed in the in the attack was Iraq- Iraqi militia commander Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis. He survived several assassination attempts against him by Western, Israeli, and Arab agencies over the past two decades, none successful until now. President Trump tweeted on Thursday night, a big American flag, no words. I love that. Hey, you know what? All you got to do, hey, we, we killed the, the, the baddest guy in, in Iranian's terrorist group. Just tweet out an American flag. 
Monk, Mike Pompeo was uh, was speaking on uh, Friday morning. Was might have been Thursday night, and uh, he talked about, "Hey, this is our this is our plan. We're not taking a pallet full of cash over there. We're not paying for uh, for hostages. We're not doing a nuclear deal that that's leaving Iran a clear path to nukes. This is the this is the 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 str- strategy that we're taking, and we think it'll win. And you know what? I like it." I like it. You know, it's, uh, we're the, we're the strongest economy in the world. We're the strong, have the strongest military. And, you know, you're hearing all this stuff about China and, and, uh, Russia and getting with Iran and they're going to get together. Guess what? They're talking about it. They're talking about it. And then we strike and what happens? Nothing, nothing. They're, they're saying they're going to retaliate on us. And Trump's, uh, Trump's words were, hey, if you guys want to start something, it's going to be over really quick. And that's the way it should be. Let's not do a proportionate, proportionate response. Let's just wipe them, out, wipe them off the face of the earth. You know what? Make Iran the 51st state of the union and uh, just wipe it all off and we'll just start over. Um, or just leave it as a bare land for someone else to do. So anyway, uh, let's talk about uh, this. This is developing hour by hour. So I'm sure we'll still be talking about it next week. And, uh, I would, I would have to say as an American watching things going on in this country, God bless the fact that we have Donald Trump leading this country. You know, God, you know, uh, God sent Donald Trump to us, not because he's the, he's the, the nicest guy or the, or the, or the, uh, the, the best, businessman or the best this the best he was the he was the best man for the job and we needed someone who could take all the all the attacks and all the harassment that he's getting from the democrats and half the country and still stay focused and keep the job the job getting done keep making america great so anyway uh let's talk about the other side uh biden while campaigning in new hampshire democrat front runner joe biden and i can't believe this guy's the front runner you gotta be kidding me um said yes to everything this week it started out in town hall on Monday when a voter set up a f- set up the former VP with this strange question about Obama. Will President Biden nominate Dr. Obama to the Supreme Court? <laughs> if he'd take it, yes. Dr. Obama? Obama's a doctor now? That's scary. At the next event, another voter asked Biden if he would do something that he hasn't done before in America, that hasn't been done in American history since Abraham Lincoln did in 1864. Choose a front, choose a running mate from the other party. Our 21-year-old son said the other night, I wonder if Joe Biden would consider choosing a Republican as a running mate. The answer is I would, but I can't think of one now. You know, there's some really decent Republicans that are out there still. But here's the problem right now, of the well-known ones. They've got to step up. Do you know what I mean? Hear all those people clapping? Those are morons that think that the Republicans need to step up. I say they do need to step up. They need to step up and stand up to uh, the the Democrat-run Congress and make this thing right. And uh, And it's up to us, the Republicans, to step up in November and get rid of all the Democrats, get rid of Scott. Uh, Scott sat in for me last week and had the guy that's running against, uh, Adam Schiff in, uh, out in Burbank area. You know what you guys in Burbank step up, 
Stop letting this guy run our run our run run your area, your your district, because he's a moron and he's corrupt. So anyway, then Biden uh, changed his stance on testifying in the Senate impeachment trial, depending on who he was talking to. Here's what he told the Des Moines Register. Do you stand by your earlier statements that you wouldn't comply if you were subpoenaed to testify in an impeachment trial before the Senate? Correct. And the reason I wouldn't um, is because it's all designed to deal with Trump doing what he's done his whole life, trying to take the focus off him. This all must have happened in the same day because he told the Des Moines Register that. But then the next day, well, I guess it was two days, but obviously spending time uh, in Des Moines. Uh, the next day, he did a 180 on that at a Des Moines town hall. Well, I would obey any subpoena that was, uh, was sent to me. But the point I was making as it relates to me is the only rational reason, and you'd know this of your papers you've written, that I could possibly be called an impeachment trial was can I shed any light on whether or not he committed the crime? And there is no reason to believe I would have any notion about whether he committed that crime. Yeah, the question is, is what crime did he commit? He didn't commit a crime. And people want to say, hey, he's using using a asking a uh, he was he was sending a secret message to the Ukraine president uh, to send him dirt on a political opponent. Um, I think the the Ukraine Ukraine president ran on anti-corruption that they were going to get rid of corruption. And you know what? Quite frankly, my tax dollars, I don't I don't care anything about the Ukraine, the country of Ukraine. I just don't care. And I don't mind paying my share of the taxes, but I want to make sure my share that that for what I put in, which is a lot, that maybe not a lot in comparison to how much uh, the whole budget is, but it's a lot for me. It's half my paycheck, and that's a good a good amount. And remember, fifty percent of the country doesn't pay any federal taxes. So uh, from that standpoint, I want to make sure that our money is spent on the right stuff. If we don't have enough money. To uh, to fix the roads, and has anybody noticed the roads lately? It's like I'm afraid to drive my Corvette because I'm hitting potholes all the time, and it just throw it's it's damaging my car. I just drive four wheel drive all the time, and so it won't matter because we don't have money for that. And Gavin Newsom's diverting our our gas tax stuff that was supposed to fix the roads to the crazy train, the the bullet train from Modesto to uh, to some other. A city that nobody nobody lives in, and uh, and we're spending all that money there. Hey, you know what? On our federal budget, realize that we pay all those taxes, and all the all the all the politicians want to be politicians because they have access to that. They have access to the money. It has nothing to do with serving the people for most of them. Certainly, the Democrats. It's all about staying in control so they can have access to that tax fund. And quite frankly. I don't want to sell 391 million over there, but Trump, before he did, wants to know, hey, Biden is talking about uh, talking about that he, he held a billion or a billion, $1.6 billion that they gave to Ukraine hostage for them to uh, do a quid pro quo, quid pro Joe, and uh, and fire a prosecutor who was going after the company that was paying uh, paying uh, Hunter Biden, his son, so basically paying uh, Joe Biden, but they but they funneled it through uh through his son and uh so so it really has nothing to do with whether he uh what you know he can't shed any light on whether trump committed the crime or not 
but it does shed some some light on whether Trump was right to ask about it, which common sense says absolutely. Um, but the most crazy thing that came out of the mouth of uh, Joe Biden on the campaign trail this week was his alternate career plan for coal miners, computer programming. Anybody who could go down 300 to 3,000 feet in a mine, sure and hell can learn how to program as well. Anybody who can throw coal into a f- furnace can learn how to program, for God's sake. It takes about 15 weeks to learn how to do it. We can do it. Hey, yeah, for all you computer programmers out there that are listening, is that right? 15 weeks, that's all you need, and you're a computer programmer? You can, you know, you got these union uh, coal miners down there making $80,000 a year because they work around the clock, and they're and they're in those crappy conditions and uh, and doing manual labor, but they can sit behind a computer screen after 15 weeks of school and, uh, and create that kind of income. I think that's why uh, uh, ITT Technical School uh, went out of business and is being sued because they were telling people the same BS and uh, taking advantage of guaranteed student loans to make sure they got money and stole it from people. So anyway, I got about uh, four minutes left. Let's talk about new 2020 laws every year. Starts with new passing and some new newsworthy laws. 2020 was no different. Uh, minimum wage went up in 21 states, including California, where it's now $13 an hour. You should be able to support yourself on $13 an hour. No, that's $13 an hour for high school kids, which is more than what they're worth. But the prices of uh, fast food and all that other stuff will go up. In Colorado, Hawaii, and Nevada, red flag laws will let judge take away guns from people that deem to be a threat to themselves or others. Well, I think that's already going in California. Oregon has outlawed single-use plastic shopping bags. Ooh, these guys have been smoking weed longer than California. Um, They've outlawed single-use plastic shopping bags, except for buying fish and meat or taking home dry cleaning. What sense does any of that make? Have any of you noticed what, since uh, plastic bags are 10 cents, so everybody wants to bring their own stuff and you the line the lines at the grocery store take extra long because it takes extra long to bag them up. When I have to force myself to go to the grocery store, they say you want bags, I say yeah, use lots of them. Don't don't pile everything in one bag and it breaks when I take it out of the car. You know it bag them like the old days when they were free. Um you know, if it takes 10 bags, that's a dollar. Oh my god. Um, and along with the uh, and along with the governor granting eleven thousand pardons for major for minor marijuana offenses, Illinois became the eleventh state to legalize recreational weed. Naturally, there's the news crews were stationed outside every dispensary waiting to interview the first patrons. Better than Christmas when I got my Barbie dream house. Great. They let me buy the whole zip. Some edibles, some weed, cause wax crumbs, some dabs. Just the feeling, you know, just like like being high, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> These are your kids out there. That's the future of this country. Oh man, I get the butts like better than my Barbie uh, dream house. Then there's New York where the so-called cash bail reform law took effect. Now thousands of inmates charged with misdemeanors and class E felonies will no longer have to put up cash or bond to be released from jail while awaiting trial. Think the only this only applies to so-called nonviolent felonies? Guess what crimes are not classified as violent felonies? Uh, this is just a, a sample of the list. Let's talk about some of these things here. These are not, these are, hey, you know, you commit these crimes, you get out with no bail. Second degree burglary of a rev- residence. Third degree burglary of a commercial building. Criminal sale of controlled substance, including in or near a school. Yeah, they let those guys out. 
uh, using a child to commit controlled substance crime. Criminal injection of a cr- of a controlled substance into another person. You can go up there with a with a uh, with a in, with a uh, syringe full of uh, I don't know poison, stab it into somebody's neck and inject it, and that's not a that's not a crime. That's not a that's a misdemeanor. Criminal sale of controlled substance to a child. So uh, drug dealers, you guys don't have to worry about having money to get out of jail. Third degree assault, including third degree assault as hate crimes. I thought Democrats were against hate crimes. I don't know. Reckless assault of a child, stalking, vehicular assault, reckless endangerment, promoting a suicide attempt, also known as encouraging someone else to uh, kill themselves. Criminal obstruction of breathing. Does this mean suffocating someone? Uh, Second degree manslaughter, unlawful imprisonment, that's kidnapping, aggravated labor trafficking, that means uh, people across the street from Home Depot are getting mad. Third, fourth, and fifth degree arson, killing a police dog or horse. You can kill a police horse or a police dog and they throw you in jail and just let you out. Rioting, criminal anarchy. And while the Hanukkah stabber in New York may not have been impacted by this new law, this criminal this criminal is Tiffany Harris, Brooklyn woman, accused of slapping three Orthodox Jewish women last week. You've probably seen it on TV. After being released without bail, thanks to the new law, she was busted for assaulting another woman the next day. Yes, I slapped them. I cursed them out. I said, F you, Jews. Harris said to the cops, according to the criminal complaint, it's, ama- it's amazing. You wonder how, why our, why our country is getting so screwed up because we're letting the, the, the inmates control the asylum. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Happy New Year, everyone. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.